Hi, I'm Grayson Willis. Welcome to the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Podcasts. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Also, our service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. indoors in English and 11.45 indoors in Spanish. Amen. 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 Pastor Adrian is out this morning um, spending much-needed time with his family, so... So I'm glad to be bringing the word to you this morning. As Jared said, if you're joining us new, I'm Billy. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And if you know anything about me, you know that I have a strong appetite for donuts. Some of you know that. Some of you know that. Um, Especially hot Krispy Kreme. Can I get an amen? Amen. But if you also um, know anything about me, you know that I have two kids now. So I'm... I'm trying to watch my health, right? So I'm trying to watch my eating habits. You know, some of us do that even going into the new year. And so, um, you know, I've been trying to resist the donuts, right? Back in college, you know, eat seven, eight, nine, still feel okay. It doesn't happen um, with kids, get a little older. So I've been trying to resist the donuts. And I was driving home the other day and um, driving up the road there. And I saw the hot light on. And I thought, no, you, you don't need to stop. Okay, you don't need to stop, and, um, you know, it's not worth it. It's not worth it, but then I, I decided to do what all of us do. You know, all of us religious people, we pray about it, okay? And so I decided I was going to pray about it, so I said, all right, God, I'm going to pull in, and if there is a spot in front of the door, I know it's meant to be that I need Krispy Kreme donuts today, that it's meant to be, and so I pulled, pulled into the parking lot, and wasn't it just like the good Lord that after circling the building seven times, there was the spot right there in front of that door. Amen. It is not worth it. It's not worth it. Okay, so, so that story, um, that story is not true except for the fact that I do have a strong appetite for Krispy Kreme donuts. But it's the reason that I'm titling today's sermon, It's Not Worth It. It's Not Worth It. And I want to start off this morning with this, with this statement that you, you have no idea... You have no idea what God can do and desires to do with your life when you're completely surrendered to him. And the truth is, neither do I. You have no idea what God can do and desires to do with a surrendered life. And each one of us, a new year lies before us, right? A new year lies before each one of us. New plans, new hopes, new dreams, new goals, new ambitions, A new year lies before each one of us. But, but in this new year, if you you desire to live in the will of God, we must address a particular topic this morning. We must address a particular topic. And that topic is our appetites. Our appetites. And sometimes they can go by our feelings, right? Um, You'll notice that sometimes it's interchangeable here. But we must address this idea of our appetites. These are things, these are, these are things in our lives that can ruin our lives and make us miserable if they're not ultimately surrendered to God. They can become uh, small gods. They can become idols in our lives. What's an idol? It's something that we give our affection and our energy to. Appetites can become idols 
in our lives. You'll either be ruled by them or you'll rule over them by loving obedience to God. You'll be ruled by them or rule over them. And so what are some of these appetites that can find their way into our lives? Because it's important that we identify what these are so that they can become subject to truth. We have to identify what these appetites are that can, that can find their way into our lives. And like I said, sometimes it's interchangeable with feelings. Jealousy, an appetite for respect, an appetite to be envied, and social media can magnify this, an appetite for winning, bitterness, the love of money, an appetite for love. Oftentimes we make love our God. An appetite for revenge, for acceptance, gossiping, an, an appetite for alcohol, an appetite for the approval of others more than God's approval. An appetite for pleasure, for fame, an appetite for recognition, an appetite for things, more things. Worry and anxiety, an appetite for control, self-righteousness, security, an appetite of comfort, the appetite of lust and sensuality and anger, just to name a few. But there's three things that I want you to know about appetites. There's three things I want you to know about your appetites this morning. The first one is this, that God created appetites. You hear that list, and some of you are thinking, well, Pastor Billy, some of those things are good. That's right. God, God created appetites, but sin has distorted them. God created appetites, but sin has distorted them. The second thing that I want you to know about appetites this morning is that appetites are never fully and finally satisfied. They're never fully and finally satisfied in and of themselves. But the lie of Satan, the lie of the enemy of your soul is that that isn't true. Just one more time, just a little bit more. It's going to be okay. You need this, and then you'll be okay. But the truth is, they're not fully and finally satisfied. The third thing this morning is that your appetites always scream now. Your appetites always scream now and never later. It's to trade the ultimate for the immediate. To trade the ultimate for the immediate. God created appetites, sin distorted them. Appetites are never fully and finally satisfied, and your appetites always scream now and never later. So what about in the scriptures? I want to look at a story in the Old Testament this morning found in Genesis chapter 25. Genesis 25, to take a look in at what it looks like when our appetites are in control, when we're obeying our appetites rather than God Genesis 25, and to get us there, we're, we're going to look at a story of, of two boys named Jacob and Esau, and their father's name is Isaac. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, Isaac is the promised son to the patriarch of the Jewish people. The patriarch of God's people was Abraham, right? And God made a promise to Abraham, your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. But Abraham didn't have a son. He said, but I will bless you with a son. And his wife becomes pregnant at a very old age, and he gives him a son, and his name is Isaac. And so now Isaac is grown, and he's married, 
and he prays to, to the Lord, and his wife conceives, and she has, she has two boys. She has twins, right? And their names are Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. And, and, and the story goes as this, that, that they're born, and Esau, you know, Esau's the manly man. He's the man of the field, the man who brings home the game. And so, so his father loves Esau. He's a daddy's boy. Now, Jacob's the youngest, right? So twins, there is an oldest. If you're a twin or you know twins, there's one who's older, and they'll let you know they're the oldest, right? And, and so, so, so I'm looking at some twins right there. And um, there's an older twin. Esau's the older twin, and Jacob comes out second. He's the younger. Um, he's sort of a mama's boy. He stays around the tents. He likes to help his mom cook. You know, he's not the manly man. He doesn't want to go out in the field and get too dirty. Jacob's the younger. Esau's the older What's that mean? It means Esau is the oldest male in the house, apart from his father. And so we pick up in verse 29. We're going to pick up in verse 29 of Genesis chapter 25, and it's going to be on the screen here. Um, verse 29, it says, once, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, see, Jacob's in the tent, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. Now, that's a strong word there. Esau came in from the open field, probably been hunting, looking for some wild game, and he comes in famished. Y'all know that feeling of hunger? Famished. He is hungry. My son now, my son is one and a half, and he's starting to talk a little bit, and, and his favorite thing to say all day long is, I'm hungry. I'm hungry, Dada. I'm hungry. This is Esau right here. This is Esau. He comes in, he says, I'm hungry. So he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. And that is why he's also called Edom. There's a lot of wordplay here. Edom means red, the stew's red. And, and so, so there's a lot of wordplay. But what we're looking at here is the fact that he comes in, he says, Jacob, man, I, I'm starving, man. I need some of that soup right now because I, I, I'm starving. What's Jacob say? Verse 31 Verse 31, Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Now, Esau's the oldest, right? So in this culture, the oldest male inherited the birthright. He had the greatest, the greatest inheritance. The birthright is the rights and privileges of the firstborn male, which were very important in this culture. And so he comes in, and he's hungry. He is, he's starving. And Jacob says, first, I'll give you some soup. First, sell me your birthright. Sell me your birthright. Now, who in their right mind, who in their right mind, <laughs> come on, Jacob, who's going to sell their birthright for a bowl of stew? Silly boy. Verse 32. Look, I'm about to die. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is a birthright to me? Oh, wait a minute. He's not going to do it, is he? Look, I'm about to die. What good is a birthright to me? And I found this, that the birthright consisted in a double portion of the father's inheritance. But with the patriarchs, it embraced the chieftainship. That is the rule over the brethren and the entire family. 
This is the birthright that Esau says, what good is this to me? It is the title to the blessing of the promise to Abraham, his grandfather, which included the future possession of Canaan and of covenant fellowship with Jehovah God himself. And Jacob knew this. And it led him to anticipate the purposes of God. But you know what else? Esau also knew this, but attached no value to it. And there's a truth in that for us this morning. That there's a truth in that. It's not enough to know about the promises of God or his word. It's not enough to have the knowledge of the promises and his word. It must be acted out through our obedience to him. What good is this birthright to me, says Esau? Verse 33. But Jacob said, swear to me first. Swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. And listen, I know in our culture, uh, words don't carry as much meaning. But an oath in this culture was irrevocable. He couldn't come back later and say, I had my fingers crossed, bro. He swore an oath to sell his birthright to Jacob. To sell his birthright to Jacob. And there is proof enough in studying the passage, there's proof enough that Esau knew he was given away, along with the birthright, blessings which, because they were not of material but of spiritual nature, had no particular value in his estimation. In the words he made use of himself, behold, I'm going to die, bro. Behold, I'm going to meet death. What good is this birthright to me? The only thing of value to Esau was the sensual enjoyment of the present. The sensual enjoyment of satisfying an appetite. So who in their right mind, who in their right mind would trade their birthright for a bowl of stew? The answer this morning, the answer is some of you might. Some of you are. And I have. Trading in God's ultimate good for immediate self-gratification. Trading your birthright for a bowl of stew. Look at Esau's comment. Look, the guy's been, the guy's been out in the field. He says he comes in, I'm going to die. Now we know on this side he's not going to die. He's just hungry. He's just hungry. But our brain, our brain chemically changes when an appetite is inflamed. When any of those things we named at the beginning, when an appetite is inflamed, when a feeling is inflamed, our brain goes into a chemical overdrive called impact bias. It takes a simple appetite and it magnifies it out of proportion. It magnifies it out of proportion. Here's one that you've probably heard of and probably experienced. Buyer's remorse. Is it too soon to Christmas? Buyer's remorse, right? I need that thing more than anything. That feeling will surely satisfy me. If I just have the updated version, I can't live another minute unless I can't live without that. If I have that, I know I'll be satisfied. And then a few days later, did we keep the receipt for this? Ah, man, what was I thinking? 
appetite gets inflamed, magnified, out of proportion. It tells a lie that is too easily believable. In one example of this story, I heard it like this. I heard it like this. What if you had a time machine? Now imagine with me for a minute. What if we had a time machine and we could jump into a time machine, we go back in time to the moment of this story, right? To the moment of this story and Esau has just sat down and he said, I'm famished, I need some soup. Jacob says, first, sell me your birthright. And at that moment, you burst into the tent, right? And they're probably looking around. Listen, listen, Esau, Esau, no, I, know, I know you don't know who I am. I'm dressed funny. I'm from the future, the future, yeah. Uh, I don't have time to explain that, but listen to me, Esau. Listen, I really, I really got to talk to you about this. Uh, uh, listen, you know your father Abraham. I know, yes, yes, he's, he, he is, he's the father of the people of God. And, 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 and I know, I know, you don't know who I am. You're freaked out by me, but, but bear with me, Esau. Esau, listen to me, please. Listen to me, I know you're hungry. I know you're hungry, but please, please listen to me. One day there's gonna be a man by the name of Moses. Who's Moses? Yeah, he's, he's, gonna, he's gonna come down the road. He's gonna, he's gonna be part of your people down the road. There's gonna be a man by the name of Moses and he's gonna, he's gonna set uh, your all's people free from bondage. But, but when God appears to him in a burning bush, how's that happen? I don't understand how it happens, but listen to me, Esau, listen to me. He's gonna appear to Moses and Moses is going to say, but what do I say your name is? And listen to what he's going to tell him. He, he's going to tell him, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, no, no, I know, I know you're the oldest. Listen, listen, Esau, don't, listen, I know you're hungry, but listen, that could be yours. Listen, Esau, that could be yours, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. I know, I know you're hungry, but listen, just for a minute, just for a minute, I'm, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna let you be, but listen to this, Esau, bear with me, bear, bear with me. Esau, the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah is gonna come from your ancestry. Do you wanna forfeit all of that for a bowl of stew? For a temporary fix that won't leave you satisfied? It's not worth it, Esau. It's not worth it. It's not worth it, Esau. Students, young adults, parents, grandparents, everyone. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Never underestimate, never underestimate the significance of even the smallest act of obedience or disobedience. Never underestimate the significance of even the smallest act of obedience or disobedience. Listen to the words of C.S. Lewis. Good and evil both increase at compound interest. That is why the little decisions you and I make every day are of such infinite importance. The smallest good, and I add obedient, act today is the capture of a strategic point from which a few months later, you may be able to go on to victories you never dreamed of. An apparently trivial indulgence in lust or anger or name any other appetite. Today is the loss of a ridge or railway line, bridgehead from which the enemy may launch an attack otherwise impossible in your life. 
Listen, friends, you have no idea. You have no idea what hangs in the balance if you refuse to surrender your appetites to God. You have no idea, but look at the example of Esau. Look what he forfeited. Verse 34 reads this, Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. He despised it. In comparison with gratifying that immediate appetite, he threw away his inheritance and his privileges for a trifle, for something of no importance. But he wanted to satisfy it in the moment and look at all that he forfeited in his future. So what about you today? Today, the word says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to do what's right. And so the bottom line for us this morning, it's time to obey God, not your appetites. It's time to obey God and not your appetites. Whatever that is, whatever that is that's been been screaming to be satisfied in your life, that says just a little more, just a little more and you'll be satisfied, just a little more, just one more time. It's time to obey God and not your appetites. Someone once said sin would have fewer takers if its consequences occurred immediately. Sin would have fewer takers if the consequences occurred immediately. So this morning, this morning and moving forward, a new year lays before us, right? And I hope and desire that we would all want to be in the will of God this morning. And moving forward, I'm asking and I'm urging you to do three things. The first is repent. If that's you this morning, if you would say, yes, there is an appetite that I've been obeying, that I've been feeding um, more than God, that I've been serving it, my affection and my energy, the first thing I invite you to do this morning is repent. That means to turn from sin and turn to him. That means to say no to the appetite and yes to obedience to God. He can come and give you clean hands and a pure heart. Repent. The second is to reframe. When an appetite begins to get inflamed, reframe the situation. Stop and ask yourself, is this worth trading the ultimate of God's purposes? for an immediate self-gratification. Is this worth it? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Repent, reframe the situation, and then reframe. And then refrain from indulging and from trying to satisfy whatever that appetite is. If you flip a few pages back in your scripture, Genesis, Genesis chapter four, there's a story of two other brothers. There's a story of two other brothers named Cain and Abel. And God asked them to bring a sacrifice to him. And we see Abel, Abel brings his best to God. He says, God, you can have my best. You can have the best that I got. And his brother Cain brings his second best. He brings his leftovers. He gives God his leftovers. And we see God speaking 
to Cain. We see him speaking to Cain in verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? In verse 7, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Listen, friends, sin is stalking us. It always is. Sin stays in attack mode, ready to pounce without warning. But you must rule over it. Pray and proclaim God's truth and obey him. Repent, reframe, and refrain. So what about you this morning? What about you today? What is your bowl of stew right now? Is it something from the beginning? Is it the love of money? Is it lust? Is it an addiction? Is it the approval of others more than God's approval? Is it a sinful habit, bitterness, or unforgiveness that you're feeding? Is it pride, alcohol, power? What is your bowl of stew right now? What is it this morning that you're trading your preferred God-designed future for? Perhaps even your family. What is it this morning? Remember, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. As we prepare to close, the writer of James says this, chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. James 1, beginning in verse 12, he says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Verse 16, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Don't be deceived, family. Don't be deceived. Or in the admonition of my friend and mentor, please love Jesus passionately. Please love Jesus passionately. Obey God, not your appetites. Obey God, not your appetites. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. We have another song here before we close. I'm going to invite you to stand and respond. I invite you today. I invite you today to say no, say no to whatever the appetite is that desires to be fed in your life. And instead, say yes in obedience to the one who created you, the one who came for you, the one who died for you, the one who was raised to life for you, and the one who today can make your life new. That's who we're saying yes to. And it's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment obedience. In the words of Eugene Peterson, it's a long obedience. It's a long obedience. And you know what I know is true this morning? 
It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. So as we pray and worship, I invite you to let this song, let it be the cry of your heart today. And into the new year, you can take a posture of whatever response you want to this morning. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you wave a a, a signpost, a warning, Lord, in the life of Esau. That we would not be consumed, that we would not be obedient to our appetites, but God, we would see that there is fruit when we are obedient to you and you alone. When our appetites and our lives are surrendered totally to you. I pray that that would be true of each one of our lives today and into this new year with all that lies before us. I pray that first and foremost that our appetites, those things which desire to be fed, would be surrendered to you. And we would know that you have our best in mind. In Jesus' name. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.